like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, favorite sleuths in the whole entire world. I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for cat hoarders and tap dancers. <laughs> Up for discussion this week is Nancy Drew and the Clue of the Tapping Heels. And mm. as always, Karen, there is a ponder thought. Ooh, what shall we ponder today? Today we should ponder the following statement by Carson Drew, who says, 25 cats is about 24 cats too many. He did say that, yes. Do you agree or disagree, and why do you disagree? Technically, I agree that 25 cats would be too many. However, I think it maybe is 22 cats too many. I could be happy with so three So three cats. is an acceptable number? I think so. Yeah. I think three would be great. I mean, I only have two, and I'm very happy, but... They could have a little brother or sister, and I think it'd be fine. I don't know. How many... What's your maximum cat number? Well, I mean, for, I think I think it's a personal decision. I actually don't judge those <laughs> with 25 cats. For, for me, one cat is the appropriate cat amount. Very fair. But that's, I, but that's more to do with who my cat is. And... I see. My cat is an only child. He's a lone, like, a lone wolf. <laughs> yes. He is, he, is a, he is a solo solo cat so um respect but i mean i i think personally i would not want more than two probably i think it's a good number like they have a buddy but they also have enough space that they can not have a buddy when they want to be alone which is often (laughs) it's that is often the case for all of us i just also don't know that i could keep track of three i feel like i'm always you know keeping tabs on rory and fiona noses and tails exactly yes yes you know you know (laughs) i do know i do know (laughs) for you it's easier you're like one good (laughs) (laughs) got it (laughs) i mean you just have to go one two that's true it's not a whole lot harder i guess (laughs) i mean 25 would be rough i i would never see 22 of them which is why i I was gonna say i mean how would you even know any of them were stolen a big issue in this book accurate it it comes up we'll discuss it (laughs) we'll discuss it in the future coming segments of this podcast so in the meantime though karen yes what's happening in your life oh kelly kelly yes i love weaving so two episodes ago i revealed to you that i had set up my loom that i have had in a box for 10 years out of fear and i got it set up i figured out how to get all the yarn on it, how to warp it. I've been weaving and I love it. It is so calming. It's not hard to do. I mean, I'm doing very basic stuff, but now that I know what's up. don't knock it. It's like really not It's complicated looking. Have you ever referred to it as the loom of doom? No, but I do like the hashtag doom loom. Doom loom. Yes, even better. I really like that. And I think... um, some things will get more complicated, and so it will, that will be accurate when I how do you, advance. How do, you, how do you make it more complicated? Just like in the patterns you're weaving? Yes, exactly. So right mm. now I am just doing what is called plain weave, which is very straightforward. Make fabric. Yes. 
But you can yes. do things like adding, they're, they're called like pickup sticks that will change the way that the weft goes through, that will add like patterns Ooh, into it. so professional. Thank you. I've watched so many YouTube videos <laughs> about this. You're so much smarter than I am. Anytime I start a new craft, I'm like, no, I think I get it. I watch no, no videos. And then uh, I get oh. very, very frustrated and don't do it anymore. I get frustrated with the videos as well. So like there has been a <laughs> lot of frustration. Like don't be misled. But <laughs> no doubt about I, that. I feel like this is not a craft that is conducive to being a cat owner. No, not at all. Do you have you, it like in a in a secluded location? Yes, in the, the isolation chamber. Like this is not, <laughs> a cat cannot go near this. They would... I mean, they'd love it. (laughs) Yeah. This is like literally, it's like a cat toy. One big cat toy. Yarn everywhere. Um, I I have learned a few hard lessons. Like, I've definitely biffed a couple things. Like, it very much matters what yarn you use for this activity. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, throw some yarn on there. This has been sitting in here since like 1996. Let's throw that in. And then I'm like, oh no, it broke in half. I can't believe that happened. And it's like, well, you use the wrong yarn, Karen. So I've had some hard lessons, but I think we're on the right track now. And I'm going to make you something. So get ready. Ooh, I'm super duper ready. They're really cute. The thing that I'm making you is very cute. I will, when it is ready, I will post a picture. I, I've been How? wondering about this. Should what? we post more of our crafting on our Instagram? I don't know. Should we? Maybe we should poll in Instagram and see, because I feel like we talk about we it a lot, but no one we has do. seen it. We do. We also talk a lot about the things we're going to post on Instagram. And then I specifically then never we, do. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not pointing my finger at you. Just betwixt the two of us. I'll start. Yeah. I'll start so, doing a better job of keeping a list of our promises so that we can fulfill them. Listen, we're, we're in it together. But yeah, we should definitely take a poll. Okay, great. I'm I will do it. that. I will sign myself up for that action item. Fantastic. Um, we also need to post a picture of our beige food from last week. We do. I took several. Um, they're so ugly. Like they're just. It looks really bad. <laughs> it does. It was delicious it, though. Oof. It looks like the worst hospital food you've ever seen out of like I don't know some kind of World War Two tent. I was know? gonna like, say this, like this is. Ugh. I I haven't been to prison, but it seems to me that that is what prison food would look like. Also. <laughs> I would, I would think that as well. Like gruel. Yes. <laughs> a very, yes, very gruel heavy, like something scoopable. Yes, yes. That food is scoopable. Oh, Kelly, the other thing that I wanted to say to you about my mm-hmm. life. So while weaving, mm-hmm. I one can consume a lot of television. <laughs> yes, one can. I have got to say, I think that the show Only Murders in the Building might oh, be my it. perfect TV show. It, it is it is bordering on a perfect TV show. I would agree with that. It's like, it's funny. It's intriguing. The people in it are amazing. Like Steve Martin, mm-hmm. Martin Short. Like Sting, yeah. Sting is in it. Like, come I on. Know. I know. Phenomenal. It's, it's fantastic. Like the, all of the tongue in cheek stuff about Broadway and his, yes. um, like not to give anything away, but Martin Short is a kind of, prior Broadway director 
who had a major pun intended flop. Um, <laughs> and it is truly some of the funniest scenes in the entire show. Agreed. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. I absolutely love it. So. Also very topical for us. Like I like that the whole premise is that they're trying to figure out how to have a true crime podcast, which is deeply mm-hmm. charming to watch them figure out. And <laughs> it is. It I is. love it. My, my favorite thing has been the title only murders in the building which yes. i don't want to give it away but like that i it's such a bizarre title until you know where it comes from yes and then it's just really funny so i was very recommend. confused about that when i heard the name of the show and then as soon as as soon as you understand why i'm like uh it makes perfect sense it's so funny <laughs> yeah um, i've been doing a very my week has been very similar to yours okay cease so I'm I am on a sewing kick and nice. I'm actually making you something <gasps> in my chamber of sewing secrets. What are you making me? Um I'm making you a little like zip upable project bag. Oh my gosh, I love project bags mm-hmm. and you make the cutest ones. This is so exciting. It's kind of, it feels to me, and I've been leaning in hard to this with my fabric selections, it feels very like uh, Trapper Keeper-esque, <gasps> 1980s Trapper Keeper-esque. Oh, it's perfect already. Oh, Kelly. I really like it. So anyway, I hope you like that. I will. That is will. in progress. Guaranteed. And I have been, I, I, I listen to podcasts while I sew, mm. like, because then I don't have to, like, look up. You I know, see. I can, that makes sense. I can look at what I'm doing. So I've gone back to, like, the very beginning of My Favorite Murder, and I'm just, like, oh. re-listening to all of those, which I've never done that. So, it, you know, you forget. So that's, that's you know, like, 45,000 hours worth of entertainment right there, just re-listening to those. So Well, is it still interesting, though? Because you know how all of the, like, murders are going to end now. Yeah, I knew how most of them ended before I listened to them. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You already knew them all. You know every true crime. <laughs> it's it's not true, but I know I do know a lot of them. So, and and it's it's fun just listening to them talk about it. So, anyway, I it. yeah, I think I think you and I are both like um, almost into fall nesting. Oh, very much so. Yes, like the weather has already turned here. Like the leaves are <laughs> golden and falling, and it, there's the little chill in the air. And I, it is not here. Really? No. What is it? What is it hot? Yes, it's a thousand degrees out right now. Oh no! Um, it and it was even worse because we got it. This happens every year, so I don't know why I'm constantly surprised and annoyed by it, but. You know, the thing happened where, like, beginning of September, the weather changes and suddenly it's beautiful and it's crisp and it's cool and, like, and then it's summer again. And it does it every single year where there's, like, this teaser week and then it's right back to being a thousand degrees again for, like, another two or three weeks. So I'm very annoyed. I need it to be real fall time. Oh, Karen, I also made pots. Did you? Okay, I've been dying to know about Mm. this, about your pottery adventures i'm assuming that's what you meant when you said you made pots (laughs) that that is what i meant i so this past week was my fourth class and i'm pleased to tell you that i actually was able to make a three-dimensional object with a hole in the middle excellent Please just des- please describe more. Like, would you call this a vase? Would you call it a mm. a bowl or a, a cup? <laughs> I made I made a cup and a bowl. Lovely. Yes, and 
I'm not sure what will happen from here. They're currently drying. But I did actually make something that stands up, which is the first time in four weeks. It's I was, hard. I was bordering on stabby frustrated. Like, oh, no. And then it just like, I don't know, some, something clicked. And it gelled. I, I made two things. So I'm not so good, proud of but... you. I bet they are. I think now that you have the feel and you've done it successfully a couple of times, I think it's smooth sailing from here. Oh, no. I think it will be easier now. Just because now I have a little bit of confidence. Like, I'm not trying to do it for the first time. But, yeah, anyway. I would love to happening. see them. Potting. Pot- I, we are so crafty. We are crafty. <laughs> well, speaking of crafty cats, do you want to talk about Nancy Drew and the tapping heels I do. with me? So, <laughs> get ready for the book intro section. I'm going to bring you mm. on a slight journey with me, which could be problematic, but... <laughs> I'm ready. Here we go. So, as always, for the book intro section, I started with Wikipedia, like one does, to see as you do what we know to be true about these books or believe to be true. There are two versions, as is typically as is typical the case: mm-hmm. 1939 and 1969. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, here's here's where it gets interesting. So, Wikipedia. Also, I, I read this after I read the book. I read the, the Wikipedia post-completing my Nancy. The Wikipedia has the most information about the 1939 version, which is rare. Usually the, the article is about the most recent version. This one was very focused on the 30s version. Okay. And I was like, well, that's the one I read because... Oh, you read the 30s version? I definitely did. And... uh <laughs> like I saw the 1969 version, there's something about Nancy in a charity show and like dancing in a charity show. And there was yeah definitely not a charity show in my book. And and actually, oh no, no explanation as to why Nancy was tap dancing at all. But <laughs> but there why was, was tap dancing. Why, why was Nancy tap dancing in your book if she wasn't in a show? We don't know. She just is. When? Where? Like ch- chapter one, page one. She is tap dancing in her house, and Hannah Gruen is like, oh, Nancy, you're so talented. Look, at you're just going to be on, like, the Dick Van Dyke show or something, basically. And then and then Nancy realizes that she can, like, she's like, wouldn't it be fun if I tap danced Morse code? And And she teaches George and Bess, and that's it. There's no reason that she has suddenly appeared as a tap dancer she just oh no we definitely read very different books (laughs) oh my god i'm so sorry (laughs) no i mean hey i wonder what i mean karen so like that the the show that nancy is in is a major plot point in the book and um (laughs) oh my gosh there are so many things that you don't know about i'm so excited well and now i'm curious too because there were some some doozies in my book that I wonder if you didn't have. So I guess we can pause on that and we will, yeah, we will discuss we'll find this. Out, I suppose. But I, I definitely read the wrong book and I'm sorry. <laughs> wrong version. You didn't read the wrong book. We This could be even more interesting. I think it might be. I and like There, there were like a lot of groovies in my book. So I'm oh, sorry that you missed that. I was groovy free. Yeah, there were a lot of groovies in my book. Huh. I did have some great one-liners that I captured that I will read to you in a little bit because we had some we had some good dialogue this time around. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm excited now. Well, that's my confession. Um, 
Did you choose a one-sentence plot submission for oh, this book? Yes, I did. <laughs> Listen, all of them were good this time. They really like, were. all of them. But I just, I picked one. Um, and this one is from at mail from bookish cat. There's dots in between there. Excellent. Oh, a new, this is a new competitor. I love this. And they it won is. on their first a try. New, <laughs> a new competitor has entered the ring. Everybody better step up their game. Not only did she give us a one-sentence plot, she renamed the book. So, extra <laughs> points. It is now called Nancy Drew and the Polyester Suit Mystery. <laughs> Nancy uncovers what strange creature is leaving patches of fur on her new ensemble. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So, so we have to talk about the cover for a minute. We do. Speaking of one-sentence plots. We have to talk about the cover. So this is why one-sentence plots were created. Like, this cover is why we do what we do, Karen. It's phenomenal. It's... It is so good. There's... Okay, I'm gonna try to describe this with your help. Bright yellow background. Giant, deranged-looking head of a very fluffy cat. Uh Uh-huh. Overlaid on top of that are two images of our friend Nancy. (laughs) Uh-huh. And would you like to describe what Nancy is wearing? <laughs> Nancy is wearing a polyester, like, sailor suit. It's very sailory. Very sailory. Also very 1970s, like, kind of a leisure suit look with, I believe, they're pink tap shoes. Yep, yep. And in one of the images, she has, like, a little pink bow collar, collar bow. Yes. I should also point out that the cat is the same color as Nancy's hair. And it is made very clear in the first, like, two chapters of the book that not only is Nancy a Titian-haired tap dancer, the Persian cat is a Titian-haired cat or a Titian-furred cat. (laughs) And I'm like, there is so much Titian running around, but also, like, twinsies. It's the the Titian-haired twins of the tap dancing... (laughs) blah 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 i mean it's like what is happening right now also i thought persian cats were white but i guess they can also be nancy drew colored nancy so. drew color i i had truly never heard the word titian before we started this never. podcast and now it's like a daily thing in our lives <laughs> the only i had heard it before in nancy drew books like i associated titian with not titian the painter but nancy drew <laughs> amazing yeah. amazing so now we've got Titian, Titian cats. Titian so. kitty cats. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> well, uh, Karen, I'm really curious to hear your super fast plot of the book you read. Well, this is going to be <laughs> all brand new to you. And I cannot wait for your reaction at the end because this is going to be a very different experience. Also, I straight up borrowed this from Wikipedia with some edits. I did make some edits, but my book was incredibly complicated. Like there were a bazillion things happening and I was actually very relieved that there was a starting point to discuss this on Wikipedia because it was so confusing. All right. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Nancy, Bess, and George find a lost baby kitten in the road. Oh no. They track down the owner, elderly Annie Carter, who has 24 more very expensive Persian cats in her house. The girls befriend the kindly Miss Carter, but while at her house, they are disrupted by neighbors who are annoyed by how many cats she has. It is here that Nancy uncovers her next mystery. Fred Bunce, one of the neighbors, had taken care of a boy named Gus Wooten, who was reportedly mentally and physically challenged. 
Miss Carter took a liking to the boy while he was with Fred Bunce and his wife, so she paid for him to live at the Riverside Institution in hopes of Gus receiving proper care for his ailments. Miss Carter receives a telegram that Gus Wounton has died, and Fred <gasps> Bunce seems quite eager to pay for funeral expenses, which makes Nancy suspicious because Fred hasn't given a darn about Gus literally at all his entire life. That was a big gasp. I'm guessing that there's something very different. Go on. All right, continuing. <laughs> Once the angry neighbors leave, Nancy meets a man in front of Miss Carter's home who's asking for a Lady Violette. Nancy informs him that there's no such person at this address, only to be informed that Miss Carter is a former actor actress and she played a character named Lady Violette in one of her past plays. Nancy quickly tracks down the man, Horace St. Will, and he and Miss Carter are happily reunited. Mr. St. Will tells Nancy that he used to know a Ralph Wooten, which was the name of Gus's alleged father. Mr. St. Will gives Nancy and her father some old letters from Ralph Wooten. However, he tells them that Ralph and his wife never had a son. Who does Gus belong to? Nancy believes that Gus Wooten received an inheritance and trust from his parents, which was stolen by Fred Bunce. Her suspicions grow stronger when she trails Bunce into a stock market firm, where she sees the considerable amount of money he has lost in faulty stocks. But soon after the episode, the Bunces mysteriously leave their apartment. Nancy, Bess, and George investigate the vacated apartment where they find two of Miss Carter's Persian kittens and return them to her. Mrs. Carter is also freaked out and thinks her house is haunted because she keeps hearing a weird tapping noise. More on this soon. Long story short, we eventually find out that Gus was Fred Bunce's kid the whole time. He was ashamed of him, so he denied being his parent and lied about him being Wooten's son to try to get the dead Wooten's money. Bunce was also involved in smuggling people into and out of South America and cahoots with a guy named Omar who runs a fortune-telling front called the Egyptian Temple of Stars, a place where Nancy and George get kidnapped and drugged and briefly held for ransom. Nancy chases the bad guys down in New York, gets kidnapped again, and stowed on a ship headed to South America. She then uses Morse code tap dancing to signal to those searching for her that she needs help. The bad guys all get arrested, and Carson tries them successfully, so they go to jail. The mysterious tapping noises Mrs. Carter was hearing in her house turns out to have been little Gus, who has been hiding out in the woods and sneaking scraps of food from her cats to stay alive. Mr. St. Will pays for Gus to have surgery, which restores him to full health. Annie Carter then adopts Gus and gets engaged to Mr. St. Will, and the two actors put their famous show, The Tapping Heels, back on the stage to great success. The end. I have a I thought Gus was dead. Gus is not dead. We think we think Gus is dead. But basically Gus ran away. Okay. Fred Bunce was like, I guess he's gone. And it j just goes along with Gus's disappearance and is like, great, let's collect this money, this inheritance money. And then at the end, Gus reappears. He's been he ran away, has been hiding out in the woods, eating cat food from the basement, but is alive and well. Okay, I am not prepared for this, but I have to tell you what the plot of my book was. I am dying to know. I, I'm guessing it was completely different based on your gasping. Com completely different. So, and forgive me because, again, I am not prepared to do this. But No, that's fine. Off the cuff. First of all, Nancy is in a show. She's in like a community theater production variety show. Awesome. And she's like the star tap dancer. Love She's it. in multiple numbers. We hear all about it. In the meantime, Hannah has a friend who is a private nurse. Hannah's friend, the private nurse, is caring for Miss Carter, who has broken an ankle. 
but she but she raises Persian cats as her means of making money. Yep. Okay. She sells these cats. She breeds cats. Well, the nurse is getting like overwhelmed and annoyed because not only is she like having to take care of Mrs. Carter, she's having to take care of all these cats. And then there's also all this weird stuff going on where there's this tapping noise in the house that's freaking them all out. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so she asks, basically Hannah says like, will you, Nancy, George, and Bass go out there to try to solve this mystery and, and help out? Okay. And they go, sure. Nancy's like coming and going from rehearsal a lot. Ned's driving her a lot. <laughs> the first night there, oh, on on their way there, they almost like hit this little kitten in the road who they figure out has been drugged. Somebody has drugged this kitten <gasps> and they take the kitten. The kitten's fine. It, okay, it okay. sleeps it off. Okay, good. But so they, they're like, oh, I bet this is one of Mrs. Carter's that got out and she discovers that like a bunch of cats have been stolen. So now we've got a cat thieving situation going on. Okay. So Bess and George are sleeping out in the garage with cats to try to keep guard over the cats. They interrupt a break-in that night for more cats and scare the guy off. Nancy's sleeping in the house trying to investigate this tapping noise. Okay. Mrs. Carter's old boyfriend shows up. He's not really that important, but he happens. Um, and then, like, in the meantime... Oh, Karen, this is my favorite part. So there, Nancy's going around the house trying to figure out where these tapping noises are coming from. And there's a basement. In the basement, they discover a door... Like, there's this hidden door that has to be, like, pulled out from the outside with a crowbar. I didn't get a hidden passage. Oh, it's not even a hidden passage. There is a full hidden basement bedroom. What? Oh, that's terrifying. Terrifying. And in the basement bedroom, there's, like, all these lock cabinets. um, And it's got a secret diary in one of them. Um. Oh my gosh, they're just so totally different. Um, So anyway, Nancy is now currently investigating Gus, who she figures out his family used to own this house. He had been, he was like, they said he had, you know, some kind of mental issue, but it just kind of sounds like he was a bad kid. And so they put him in this institution. Okay. And he has run away. And she kind of figures out that one of the people that's, causing problems is probably Gus. She gets she gets followed in her car. Somebody attacks Ned and punches him. <gasps> um at one point when they're in rehearsal, um Ned drives her to rehearsal while she's on stage. Ned is like, you know, checking the perimeter. He smells smoke. The two of them end up getting locked into the into the basement where the, the prop room is on fire and barely get out. Somebody oh starts a fire in the prop room. This is the best part though. Um Oh, there's one part where the three the three girls take a bunch of cats to a cat show in town to sell them. <laughs> and the guy who's there's a guy who's also selling Persian cats there and they think it's the thief, but by the time they get the police there, the guy leaves. Of course. And then somebody blows a whistle in one of Nancy's cat's faces and it jumps up into the rafters and she has to go after it. The best part is, I'll cut to the chase. Um toward the end of the book, um Somebody plants a bomb underneath underneath Nancy's car in her garage at home. Oh, my God. And, and little Tommy comes and gets her Tommy. in person. Little Tommy. And car- I'll tell you more about this later. There's a bomb under the car. Um, 
The way this ever so beautifully wraps up, I hate the ending, is just simply that Gus is in the house. He keeps breaking into the house, um, searching for tre- like his grandmother's treasure and jewels and stuff like that that he had hidden in various places because he had at some point been put into the care of like these evil guardians. Oh. And they're the ones who locked him in this basement room. He eventually figured out how to get out. But rather than just run away, he was, like, trying to steal back his his inheritance, essentially. So he hid it all over the house. And then they ended up sending him away to this, this institution. Um, so now he's back and he's, try- he's, like, trying to find all of his hiding places again. You had a very different Gus mm-hmm. than I had. And then... Mr. Bunce does exist in this book, but he was friends of Gus's parents who died in a car crash. He was the, um, uh, he, he was like dealing with their will. Okay. okay. He, whatever you call like it. Like the custodian? Custodian of their will. Thank you. Um, ended up stealing all the money. Gus was supposed to get it all. He steals all the money. And then he has this like henchman. And the two of them are trying to, like, run Nancy off the case so she doesn't figure it out. But they're also stealing cats. It doesn't make any sense. Yours makes more sense than mine does. So, like, my Gus is a child who... It sounds like he has Down syndrome, effectively. And he is, in fact, Fred Bunce's son. Uh Fred is doing such a bad job taking care of him that Annie has basically been raising him ends up putting him in an institution where he will be properly cared for. But Fred has been lying Gus's whole life and is saying, like, we adopted this kid, basically. He's not mine. So Annie puts him in the institution. She gets a telegram from the institution that Gus has died, but it's a sham. It's basically Fred has faked this telegram because he found out this rich family passed passed away. And he's like, I'm going to pretend like he was their kid. And then I'm going to get all this money out of it. But Gus is alive the whole time and is basically like living in the woods and then like eating the cat food from Annie's basement. And this is one of the things that is very controversial about this book because um, when people are... I can imagine. Just hearing you describe it, I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. And And at the end of the book, he gets this magical, very expensive surgery and is fully restored mentally and physically they say which is uh, not a thing <laughs> so not, not a thing um but you had like a little very different book little devious gus yeah well in in my gus was an adult like he was in his like 30s i think 20s. oh okay yeah I he had... drives he's described oh. <laughs> as pudgy the entire book oh my god I, well, but he's, he's an adult yeah I okay, so let's talk thoughts and musings, and then let's dive into this because um, yeah, we're there. We're I there. have some some interesting observations about the 1930s books, which we've never read before. So, <laughs> um, okay, so general thoughts and musings from you on the book that you read this week. <laughs> um, I so Gus is breaking into this house like 400 times, and he's doing it by wearing. Um, like golf cleats both on his hands and feet and what? scaling the side of this chimney that's covered in ivy okay and yet he was never once referred to as a cat burglar and i just feel like this was a missed opportunity for bess <laughs> i just i'm like really you are not once? so correct that like how did we not come out of this with a cat burglar 
I don't know. I don't know. Damn. Um, also, was Mrs. Carter hurt in your book? She does get hurt at the beginning, but very... She gets hurt in, like, the, the classic way people get hurt in the early Nancys, where she's so startled, she, like, stumbles and falls off of a step and, like, faints. And they have to bring her in and, like, pull, put cold compresses on her head. Oh, my. So well, not really, my, my but Mrs. Yes. Carter, the whole the whole reason they're there is because she's, like, broken her ankle or something. Okay. And so she can't go up and down the stairs. So... There is like a lot of carrying this old lady up and down stairs. Like <laughs> By Nancy whom? and George, Nancy and George, they just keep talking about how they bring her downstairs or they bring her to the attic. And then Ned carries her around a bunch and her new boyfriend carries her around a bunch up and down stairs. And I'm like, this just seems really dangerous. Like, Agreed. let's just go to her. Yes. You know? Let like, her let her rest. <laughs> Let the poor woman rest. Like, how are Nancy and George carrying this old lady up and down these stairs? Like, basket carrying her? I just, I'm like, this, no. I'm sure not a single one of these people has any kind of occupational therapy degree. Absolutely not. And, you know, this just is going to lead to more injuries. So, those are my thoughts on music. George does do judo, though, which is basically the CrossFit of the 60s. So, I do believe she's very strong. (laughs) That's probably true. She's like, just climb on my back, Carter. No problem. No problem. What are your Um, thoughts and musings? I, okay, this is where I would like to tell you the one-liners. And I'm so glad I wrote these down now because you probably haven't seen these. (laughs) No, and, and, you know, the, just in full transparency, because you put the notes together for this, you are the one who gave me my opening line about 24 cats is too many. Was that That not? That line is not in my book. (gasps) And I just assumed that I had missed it. That is and amazing. So I said it like on purpose. You said it confidently. I did, but that was not my book. I so. had no idea. <laughs> I never would have known. <laughs> my book was funny. I had okay. So, um, one of the characters that I haven't mentioned because my plot summary could have been sixty pages long, it, but there is a a third party character named Beverly who is a famous actress in New York City. She Beverly. Wants, she wants to be in the reproduction of the Tapping Heels. Many things happen, but basically Annie Carter has been sending her money because she is a patron of the arts. And um, (laughs) Nancy goes to see her because Annie Carter is basically living in poverty and she's sending all of her disposable income. She has been taking care of Gus. She's sending it to Beverly. Mm -hmm. And Nancy's like, I bet this Beverly person who's taking all this money from her doesn't know that this old woman is like living in squalor yeah and she needs to know and so nancy goes up there beverly is the worst she basically like has a maid she's living in luxury she has like gowns and nancy goes ham on her like how (laughs) could you this woman is living in a shack with 25 cats and beverly is stunned she's like i genuinely had no idea and nancy's quote is i'm sorry to have to I'm, i'm sorry to be the person to have punctured her little air castle Oh, isn't that good? That's a good one. It's like very reminiscent of Les Mis, like Castle on a Cloud. She punctured her air castle, which I loved. Um, Poor little Cosette. I would be remiss if I didn't say this one out loud, but um, (laughs) when Annie's in trouble about her cats, they're like, put them in a cage. And she goes, how how will I be able to keep my pussies happy in their big cage? (laughs) Which... (laughs) <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, 
And then the last one I wrote down is just a moment of narration. Like it's a Mildred Wirt Benson line in describing Annie Carter, the cat lady. And she uh-huh. says, it's like, it's such a F you. It says, the woman had a dramatic way of speaking, which commanded attention, even though her words carried little to no great significance. <laughs> Ooh, that is like a sick Mildred burn. Right? Like, she was trying she's to like say... She's, like, bossy, but for no reason. She's, like, trying to say that she is, like, a great orator, and, like, she's a, gr- a good speaker, and, like, clearly an actress, but the content is lacking. <laughs> but 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 best when someone hands her her lines. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Beautifully stated. Huh. Um, very, very nicely put, Millie. Indeed. The last thing that I will say, uh, the version that I read... Mm-hmm incredibly racist oh yeah so all that surprise but so so racist like the language that is used i was like what and that should have clued me in right there that i was not reading the 1960s version i was like flabbergasted like language that we have not seen to date in any of the nancys that we have read um so well so note to our listeners (laughs) Read the 60s version, please. Read the Um, newer version. Yes. Edits have been Uh, made, and rightfully so. All right. That concludes my thoughts and musings. And mm -hmm. with that, my my sister, I don't know how this is going to work. You're going to talk about classic mystery elements, and many of the elements that you had did not exist in my book. So I'm thrilled to hear about them. All right. Well, hey, I'll just tell you all about what happened in a book you didn't read. But um, (laughs) it sounds like there was a little bit of crossover, but... Um, okay, so so first, we have a lot of things which I would say fall under the category of let's dissuade Nancy from investigating. I feel like I had a lot of that, too. Yeah. So, you know, most of the action in this book, and frankly, in most of them, is when, you know, these bad guys are like, yeah, she's on our trail. Let's, you know, we'll put the fear of God into her and then she won't investigate anymore, which never works, obviously. No, it's um, Nancy. So I'm going to start from, like, the least dramatic and go to the most. Um, Fantastic. Toward the very end of the book, she, like, she they have captured Gus, and Gus has been taken away by the police. And everyone leaves, but she's staying overnight with Mrs. Carter. And she basically... The, the the other group of bad guys who are unassociated to Gus, the guy who's been stealing the cats and the guy who's been stealing the inheritance, break into the house and lock her in a trap door. Like, it's it's not even worth going into. But, like, guess what? There's also a secret passage in the attic oh. that was, like, a, a boarded-up staircase. That was a tra- it was a trap door in the attic floor that used to lead down into like um a ki- into the kitchen but the kitchen entrance was boarded up a long time ago so she goes down to like see what's in on the stairwell basically and these bad guys come in and lock her in there oh okay and and she escapes by like tapping in morse code on the trap door okay that was similar similar to mine she escaped with morse code tippity tapping okay yeah um next we're going to talk about the fire in the prop room. Okay. Which was very traumatic because they only were able, I mean, like, the bad guys, again, the 
Mr. Bunce and the cat thief were the ones who, who started the fire and trapped her and Ned down in there. They locked them down in there. And the only way they kind of were able to survive it was that there happened to be two fire extinguishers downstairs. But otherwise, like... This would have been, been death. Gonzo. This would have been death. Huh. Um, so this was a scary moment in the woods. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Um... After which, you know, Carson's like, I don't like this. Be careful. Mm-hmm. At one point, he has her and Ned switch cars for a while so that people can't follow her. So and basically like, so what, just run Ned off. So her? Ned is in grave danger now. <laughs> right. Also, both of them have convertibles and drive with the top down most of the time. So I'm like, it's not exactly incognito. It's like pretty apparent that there is a your, man your driving. The <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like that man does not have the Titian haired locks that I'm used to following down the highway. Or so. the, the polyester sailor suit. <laughs> or the polyester sailor suit. Um, I, I'm going to end with my favorite part in this book for several reasons, which is the bomb. So as I mentioned, Nancy is kind of going back and forth between River Heights and I think it's Berryville where Berryville. Mrs. Carter lives quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, because oh, of these, that's why I've all day long. I've been going, we're in the berries and I, <laughs> and I haven't known why, but it's because of Berryville. So yes, Berryville. All right. Sorry. Berryville. So, so this is at one point where she is home and she's like, she's gone to, she, I don't know. There's something with rehearsal. Anyway, she's, she's home. And so are Carson and Hannah. And all of a sudden Little Tommy from next door, who we've talked about a few times, um, a burgeoning detective who I believe was the one who let the the bird out of the box. He in, did. He uh, escaped Night the Night pudding. He es- he escaped the critical homing pigeon. <laughs> that's that's correct. Uh, the homing pigeon that flies parallel to major roads. But anyway, yes. <laughs> um, so little Tommy is frantically knocking on the door and Nancy answers and goes, use your words, little Tommy. And he goes, uh, I just saw a man sneaking around your garage and now there's something ticking in there. Oh my God. Yes. So Nancy goes, good job, little Tommy. And her and Carson go running out to the garage. And sure enough, no, there leave. is a, an explosive device that has been put underneath Nancy's convertible. Which they run directly towards. That is correct, Karen. Okay. So, you know, Carson's yelling at Nancy to stay back. Nancy's yelling at Carson to stay away. This isn't worth risking your life over. Da, 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 da. Carson says, I took a class. No. And yes, he takes a rake and rakes the bomb out from underneath the car. I'm not even making this I up. I cannot. Rakes it out from underneath the car, like hard enough that it goes bouncing across the lawn. <laughs> and then the ticking slows down. And Carson goes, ah, just like I learned in my class, it probably, when it turned over, it slowed down the ticking. Un- but mm-hmm. literally unbelievable <laughs> yes and so then he continues and dismantles it and he, yeah he talks about how yeah, i took a bomb dismantling class a couple years ago i thought it might come in handy someday and i'm like where I, where did he take that class all, well i assume it's like next to my pottery studio that's exactly like, what i was picturing <laughs> yes there's someone there's someone learning how to throw a pot on a wheel the guy next door is learning like intro to Italian. And then there's Carson who's like, I would really love to know how to dismantle a bomb. And they're like, just shake it. They're like, and like, oh, we offer that class as well, sir. Come on over. That's right. Yeah. It meets, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, six to eight o'clock. 
bring your own dinner. We don't take a break. And B- B-Y-O- just shake it. BYO bum. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is not real life. Um, also, I don't know much, but I do know that the last thing you want to do with a bomb is just like shake Hurl it, it a lot. Yeah, and like yeah. roll it away from you with a rake and yeah. jo- jostle it. No jostling. Of yeah, a bomb. Jo- jostle, jostling. I feel like that's like, Carson, did you miss class one where they're like, glad you all came. If you should ever encounter a ticking device, do not jostle it. That was like. That's the number one rule of Fight Club. Like, absolutely. It's literally the number one rule of Fight Club. Oh, Carson. He so had, anyway. He, he had Nancy. Uh, well, you should start making his resume, too. This is absurd. I love this, by the way. I mm. I love the book that you read. <laughs> between, between Little Tommy and Carson. Oh, I enjoyed the book right up until the very end. So, okay. So that's that's classic Mr. Element number one. Dissuade the sleuth. Okay. Yep. yep. Number two, we have hidden things. So... The the most standout of which is this like hidden terror room that is straight out of room. That is horrifying. So you described yes. like a bedroom that's hidden in the basement behind a yes. locked door. So, like huh, hate it. Which which the it's like a locked door, but you don't know there's a door. So like they figure out that there's like a piece of wall in this basement that has like a it looks like a mouse has been chewing up the bottom of the paneling or something. And they realize that like, if you, you can like reach under it or whatever, and there's like a latch to, to open it. Um, I'm pretty sure at one point he says that it used to be Gus says, yeah, the door could only be opened from the outside. <gasps> so they would literally lock him in this bedroom. No wonder he's insane. Correct. Um, and, and inside this, crazy like you know hostage room kidnap victim room is like all of these like built-in bookcases that also have locks on all of them okay and inside these are all this like paperwork from you know i don't even know what it is but like it's pertaining to who gus is and his inheritance or whatever but there's also a, a diary hidden in there um which ends up being like kind of not all that interesting, which is a little bit sad, and I'll get to that in my second section. But like, there's a hidden diary that has a little bit of clues about who he is, and then there's this um, you know, there's this hidden passageway that Nancy gets trapped in up in the attic, and lastly, there's hidden treasure all over this house. Like again, in a very like Mrs. Piggle Wiggle way, um, <laughs> where. And that's the whole reason for the tapping is Gus is in the house tapping, trying to find like these hollow places that he's shoved treasure like three years earlier. That makes so much more sense than why there was tapping in my book. Mm -hmm. Dramatic improvements have been made. the, The problem I had with that was that like, I don't know where he was disappearing to all the time. Oh, I see. Like it, it, you know, I mean, it was just like, they would hear this tapping would immediately go there and there would be nobody to be found. Um, they kind of explain it. It's not very satisfying, but like it's all like it's hidden stuff. Right. Let me have a sip of water. One moment. <coughs> Don't lie. It's not water. Oh, it was whiskey. I'm better now. Thank there you. It is. Okay. I took, I took, I took my medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Take a little swig of medicine there. Um, so we have a ton of evil people um, in this book. It Which, sounds like it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cross-plotination going on. <laughs> um, 
I just made that word up. But so so we have Gus who isn't necessarily evil, but like he's described as like mentally disturbed. Um, then we have his evil guardians who are the ones who lock him in room. Then we have the evil custodian, Mr. Bunce, who steals mm. his fortune. Mm-hmm. And then we have the evil partner of the custodian who steals the cats. Why are... So, yeah, hmm. Hmm. Lots of mustache twirling in this book. <laughs> so much mustache twirling. Um, and then finally, we have Morse code. We so, have. I I had that too. That is consistent with the book that I read. We we had Morse code. Um, my book started, I guess, similarly to yours did, where Nancy is in the basement with Hannah, Bess, and George, and she's tapping Morse code. Tippity tippity tap tap. S O S S O S. Cool beans. Um, and now that I know that you read a different book than I did, I cannot wait to tell you about what happens at the end, but we will come back to that later. So the, the Morse code in my book was like, I enjoy the fact, I guess, that they tied it into tap shoes because that's kind of funny, but it's completely unnecessary and there didn't need to be any Morse code at all in my book. Same, same. Like, the tapping coming from Gus is not Morse code. No. Well, and did you also have a play called The Tapping Heels in your book? No. Okay. So I had three elements of tapping. We had the tapping, the tap dancing, tippity-tap, Morse code. We had Gus tapping, which was him eating cat food and sneaking into the basement. And then Annie Carter is a former famous actress who mm-hmm. had written this epic play called The Tapping Heels that had a lot of tap mm. dancing in it. And none of these things are related or need to be related. It just serendipitously happens, happens mm-hmm. to be three heavy tapping related things. <laughs> the, on- the only thing in mine was Annie. Oh, I don't even think they say her name is Annie, but Mrs. Carter she was this famous actress and she she liked to tap dance but she's got a broken ankle now and she's oh. you know older but so at one point i guess she um she says nancy's like you know the one thing i can't figure out is that i heard this tapping noise on the second floor the other night and i there was nobody there and gus says that he never went onto the second floor and mrs carter goes oh (laughs) sorry that would have been me sometimes i just like to play with my tap shoes and like make them dance on my headboard with my feet unbelievable Mm -hmm. unbelievable well my mind's blown (laughs) yeah so uh do we have anything to talk about today in real world River Heights? We do. And I am going to structure this like yours. I'm going to start with interesting and go to mind-blowing. Okay. Okay. Awesome. I'm All ready. Right. So in this 1930s version, very little Ned. Very little Ned. Oh, there was a lot of Ned in mine. I had almost no Ned. He is present, but he has he's just kind of around. Um, okay. He doesn't have an interesting job or... A moment where it's like, oh, Ned's a chemist. Ask him about these fireworks. <laughs> he just is around. And he sometimes... He's not, like, selling insurance or anything? No, he's not a camp counselor. He's not, like, you know, resuscitating youth. Like, no, no <laughs> real purpose for Ned in this book. He is just around. Um, he is the one whose dialogue is the most racist out of the racist oh, dialogue in this Ned. book. Um, and I was like, what? So there's no... there. 
I don't know that you would even know, reading the book that I read, that he was her boyfriend. He's just kind of oh, like really? a guy who's there. A guy. Yeah. And, Interesting. Um, I wonder, though, so this is going to blow your mind. Not too far into the book, this 1930s version refers to Nancy as being 16 years old. Really? Yes. And does something that we have not seen in any of the updated versions where they actually rehash all of the mysteries she's previously solved. Kind of like a babysitter's club book where it's like, (laughs) let's talk about the big house and the little house for the 900th time. They're like, it started back with a secret in the old clock when blah, blah, blah. Seriously. And do this like blow by blow of all of her mysteries. And and they keep saying, which is so impressive because she's only 16. So (sighs) she's younger and I wonder if that is why Ned is not as, like, boyfriendy because she's, yeah. you know, anyway. She's, like, still in high school as opposed to, like, graduated the, and... The never-ending post-high school summer pre-college Seriously. that she's in. and the, Yeah. Um, Very interesting. Yeah. So that's bizarre. Also, George and Bess were awesome in this book. Really? They were... I'm happy to hear that. Like, way awesomer than they have been in the 1960s version. Um Zero mention of Bess's weight or physical appearance ever. Well, I missed that because that was not the case in this book. Like in my version. No talk about what she's eating. No talk about food. Like Bess is their friend who is lovely and they love her. Um, George is super nice and super funny this entire book. Hmm. Like we do not get her weird. What's that like? Completely different than (laughs) what we thought to be true. She's not snarky. Like, she's sarcastic a couple of times. Like, Nancy makes her wake up early someday, and she's, like, grumbling about it, but in a cute way. Um, And the two of them have a lot of agency in this. They are not, like, tagalongs. They, in the end, are the ones who rescue Nancy. She gets stowed away in a cruise ship that's going to South America. Mm -hmm. The police come and search the ship, and they're like, I guess she's not here. And Bess and George are like, I don't think you did a very good job. And they break back into this ship in, like, stealth mode. And they're the ones that find Nancy and save her. Like, if it had been up to the police, she would have been in South America. Um, So (laughs) I really think the 1960s revisions ruined Bess and George. I have one data point, which is this book that I accidentally read. But they were awesome characters (laughs) in this book. One data point. (laughs) Well, they were not awesome in my book. Like, Bess was her enjoyable self. George wasn't the worst she's ever been. But there still is, like, a lot of conversation, especially early on, about there's, like, a chocolate cake that makes an appearance. And suddenly, oh my God. you know, George is very concerned. She says something like, Bess, like, don't eat that cake. You know, as soon as you take weight off, you just put it right back on again. No! I hate mm-hmm. it. I hate, I hate it. No. And... Bess tells her, like, you know, F off and eats the cake. Shove it, yeah. Add a girl. Well, I just want... And now I want chocolate cake, so... I also do. I just... I I think we can both rest easier knowing that George and Bess have not always been bullshit, and they were awesome, at least in this book. Their predecessors are not so terrible. Yeah, they're super great. Okay, third and final thing. Real world River Heights. I've been saving this for last, and I... I'm so excited. Hmm. We have... felt a little shiver. In the version that I read... The mother of all boating accidents. <laughs> what? Like, really? Like, we're talking, like, Titanic-level boating accidents. Oh, my God. What happened? Yeah. So, the one moment where we see Nancy and Ned hang out, he 
this whole storyline unfolds that is just completely distracting and has nothing to do with the mystery. So I won't even like go into it, but Ned says, Hey, I'm going to go on this steamboat cruise. It's basically a young person's mixer type of thing. That's on a steamboat. How fancy. And he says, do you want to come? And she's like, of course I do. I am in the middle of this mystery, but like I can make some time for that. Of course I can come. You know how me and boats go together. Love a boat. Love a boat. Nothing (laughs) could go wrong. So they get all gussied up. They go to the steamboat cruise. It's like fully populated with other young folk who I'm guessing are like, you know, junior prom age wearing their Mm -hmm. like their finest junior prom clothes. pretty little dresses. There's an orchestra playing. Um, Of course there is. Like there's a full meal that is served. Like, you know, people are wearing their little white gloves. Like this is like fancy. Um, There's lots of organized dancing that's happening. And we Mm. learn that people are very judgmental if you're a bad dancer. Like no one will dance with this guy Harlan. Like there's there's some drama going Mm. on. Um, However, there's a bad guy on this boat completely unrelated to the mystery again i'm not even gonna go into <laughs> just, this just a random bad guy he's a ba- he's a bad sailor he crashes the steamboat into another steamboat <gasps> it starts to sink and it is like people are screaming the deck is slanting down into the water girls are rolling off the boat into the water in their prom dresses a girl Karen, gets oh her gosh. head stuck in a deck chair and is drowning and nancy has to like save her from drowning like, oh my God. like it is bad and like there's a bunch of people who roll off the boat and, like who can't swim like pick literally picture titanic like this is what's happening Karen, and then oh the my gosh. and then the boat explodes stop it oh my god there's an explosion because there's a bomb thought, on the boat i thought my little car bomb was like dramatic no, we blew up a full boat with like two hundred people on it, and um, oh and the we the captain, the, junior prom. the captain gets flung off the boat in the explosion. His head is underwater because he's tied up in a rope. So Nancy swims over there, and she like resuscitates him in the water, swims him to shore, and he's like muttering under his breath, like, "I have nothing left to live for. Like they'll never let me sail a boat again." And like it is nuts, Kelly. It's nuts. Karen, it's nuts. I wish you could see my face right now. Like, we have... Like, my eyes have never been bigger. We've had a lot of boating accidents, and this one was, like, the one. It it was huge. It was huge. It was an incident. (laughs) How glad are you that you're not afraid of boats? Very. I would have had to put this down. We would have had to abandon this podcast, like, weeks ago. Agreed. So, um, no one was killed, we learn, in the boating accident. And it, it was all related in the end to, like, an insurance fraud sort of thing. Again, Nothing to do with the rest of the book, but money, yes, a a financially based crime, as you have put it. Um, But uh, but yeah, we sunk we sunk another boat in this one that was definitely the most expensive one we have sunk to date. (laughs) Oh man, I hope Harlan at least like you know got got a not jerked in his other left foot or something. (laughs) Maybe he came out of the water and went, you know what. I have too much to live for. I have to learn how to dance. Better. I got it. Today's the day. Today's, the, Today's day. the day. I can't go out like this. Um, mm. So that is the drama in River Heights for you this, this week. I I may have to go back and read this one too. So <laughs> so I, I have a few suggestions. And to be fair, they're all about the version that I read. Um, but I think maybe I can still share them because I think most of them pertain in a generic way to all Nancy Drew books. Absolutely. At least the ones we've read so far. Absolutely. So I'm generally dissatisfied with how these books wrap up. And it's 
because of the reasons for the crimes. Mm. So I've gained a little bit of clarity on that topic because, like, once again, I actually loved this book up until about the last 15 pages. Okay. Which has been somewhat typical of the last probably five or six that we've read where I've been totally into it and then it wraps up and I'm like, womp, 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 womp. Yes. Snatching, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. That's correct. So I just, I feel like our author keeps setting up these really interesting situations and giving us really interesting characters and then the payoff does not exist. So here are some suggestions I would make to this book to solve that problem for me. Perfect. And keeping in mind that in my version, Gus is an adult. Yes. And again, while he was put into this this like institution, it's it very much makes it sound like he is not um like emotionally or mentally I don't I don't know what the right word is to say, but it doesn't sound like he actually has emotional or like any kind of intellectual disability. It sounds like he was just kind of like a bad teenager. He's basically in juvie, it sounds like. He, that well, that's what he should have been in. He okay. should have been in juvie. But instead they, you know, whether they had that I don't know, but like that's not where they put him. So um what I would have liked is if Gus was just a psychopath and he was a bad teenager who became a bad adult because really this most of the scary stuff that happens in this book is ultimately the doings of Mr. Bunce trying to scare Nancy off the case, which is ultimately not that scary. Yeah. Like there's, there's a very, I think what I'm getting at is, motives that are not actually motivated by anything other than like um i'm a crazy person are less scary yes like someone's stalking nancy because they she just ran afoul of somebody that their big boss yeah like that's way scarier than you know somebody stealing cats yeah and and they don't (laughs) want her to like investigate the cat thieving ring anymore so they follow her yeah you know so i want gus to be a real psycho and like maybe we find out that his guardians and mr bunce weren't actually evil or stealing from him that they were doing all of these things to try to protect themselves from gus oh Um, or to protect gus from gus like you know, he's still a person like we don't want to have to put him in this institution. We don't want to have to take these, you know, measures. We don't want to have to strip his inheritance from him. We want him to be able to live a normal life. But we can't let him like roam the house alone at night because we're afraid he's going to murder us in our beds. So we're going to put him in this like he's going to have to stay in his bedroom at night. We need to I'm talk about these Kevin. Are good things. Yeah, no, this right. this is so much more interesting. I approved revision approved so so then gus gets out and now he's back and he just likes creating mayhem yeah and that's way scarier in my opinion um so yeah i kind of just want gus to be a serial killer i think i want her to have like this diary that she finds i want that to be like you know 
his confessional of all of the things he's done. Oh, yes. That'd be way scarier. Yes, um, yes. This I, is great. I, <laughs> next next suggestion. The the whole cat thing is insane. It's, like, it's truly nonsensical. No, there was absolutely no reason, first of all, for these cats to even be there. But let's even put that aside. Let's say they want to make Mrs. Carter... You know, a cat lady, the the poor unmarried cat lady, until suddenly her Prince Charming comes back into her life. I don't love the stereotype, but sure. Let's say that's her character. The whole stealing the cats makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> no. Like, it flies in the face of just, like, common sense that, <laughs> like, while I'm trying to get away with one crime... I'm going to commit a completely unrelated one for, like, no real financial That's gain. It's not lucrative. Just no, yes. it makes no sense. Ugh. So what I would have liked is if we had found out at the end that there was a reason the cats were going missing. Perhaps it's because somebody finds out that there was, like treasure hidden underneath this cat enclosure <gasps> or around the cat enclosure. Yes. And so they have, like... They have to, I don't know, go in and, you know, maybe cats escape or something like that. But, like, there needs to be a better reason. For, for the 25 cats. cats. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I completely agree. I'm like, why Why are we doing this? There was, there was even less logic around the cats and the one that I read. Like, they just were there. They were just there. <laughs> yeah. It made, it made no sense. I mean, there was an entire scene in my book where Nancy Best George have to go sell five of these cats at a cat show. A local cat show <laughs> where people are buying, you know, purebred show cats. And one of them gets away because a little boy blows a whistle on its face and Nancy climbs into the rafters and there's this whole situation of her trying to, like, capture this cat and then because the cat was like, everybody stopped to watch Nancy try to get this cat back. Um, they end up being able to auction it off rather than just sell it. And they make like, you know, I don't know how much money they made, but like three times more than what they were asking for it because everybody thought this was the famous cat. You know, it's crazy. So, but, and why, why did that scene exist in the book? Unclear. I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> um. So it's interesting. My last suggestion is kind of comes back. It kind of happened in your book. It would have been way more interesting if there was a prisoner in the house doing the tapping that communicated with Nancy and Morse code. And that's how she helped find them. Do you know, Kelly, that is what I immediately assumed was going to happen from page one when Nancy is like all interested in Morse code. I was Mm -hmm. like, there's going to be this is clearly going to be critical Yes. To, to a rescue and a critical part of solving a mystery, the fact that she knows right. this. And that was not true. <laughs> no. There was Morse code and tap dancing and could have completely been lifted out of this book and it wouldn't have mattered whatsoever. Yes. Which was disappointing. Like she was she was rescued by Bess and George because she was effectively banging on the door of the room was that she say, was like, captured. Couldn't she in. have just banged on the door? She could have just been banging and yelling. Um, but they heard the banging and the banging happened to be in Morse code and spelled out help. So like, yeah, (laughs) I, I'm not buying it. I just, I mean, there was an entire, you know, um, 
tap dance show that she was in for the express purpose of what for for her to I don't I don't understand why there was no reason like nothing happened at the gym there it does anyway it doesn't matter but like I I guess I'm saying it would have been awesome if the Morse code had mattered I could not agree more and if Morse code had mattered then I can get on board with tap dancing the Morse code Yes, then, then it, it serves totally a board purpose that. and isn't That's just right. a typical Nancy Drew. Uh, actually, perfect transition. I was going to say a typical Nancy Drew arbitrary resume item. Um, so clearly in Nancy Drew's never-ending resume, a.k.a. who is Nancy in this book? The first one, we've mm-hmm. said it a million times, she is a tap dancer. She's a tap yes. dancer. She Extraordinaire. Is Soloist. Phenomenal tap dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred and Ginger, look out. Um for no reason in my book she's not even in a show this is just a tool in her toolkit that she has available to her should she need to dance her way out of a situation (laughs) just Um, just shuffle on off shuffle hop step here we go um she is fluent in morse code i think we can Mm -hmm. say um that's another tool in her toolkit um you know those were kind of the big ones for me oh this isn't necessarily new but she is basically at a disaster site when this boat sinks and then explodes while it's sinking and paramedics are rushing in and she's kind of like triaging the wounded, um, providing like more intense, I would say, first aid than we've seen before. She's rescuing people who are actively drowning. Um, so I think like rescuer, like dis- yeah. disaster responder. E- EMT. Yes. Yeah. EMS. Like first, yeah. first responder in a disaster. Um, kind of a new thing for her in this book yeah um yeah although it's not the first she she's gone in the water after somebody before it was in um the the ivory charm one where the the fake psychic lady threw herself into the river and nancy goes in after her yes yes and she also saves uh the the little orphan gal in um You'll the bungalow <laughs> the bungalow mystery <laughs> oh yes she right off the bat yes she she, does. she and helen go over there and nancy saves her so like she's she's definitely rescued but this was like like at the site of like an earthquake you know it was like a, a right? disaster scene a that disaster she site right. thrust herself into um those were the so, big ones for my book and i'm guessing you might have some addition additions <laughs> I, I don't, but I do need to mention something because I think it was likely not in your book. And this, we will tack this into um, Fluent and Morse Code. Karen, this is the best thing I've ever read in my oh life. Oh my God, what? What? Tell me. It's it's the very end of the book. And she, so the very end of the book, the mystery solved. All the bad guys have confessed instantly. They're all in prison, you know, doing 20 to life. And um Nancy is going on to star in the show and you know family and friends are all there in the cafe gymatorium and (laughs) Nancy gets to the end of the show and decides that she is going to change the ending of the show which seems like a bad idea because one thing we have learned over the course of this book is that their director is exacting like he is not oh. messing around so i'm like oh. you're taking your life into your own hands nan he's not gonna she decides, react well to mm-hmm. this that's correct she decides she is going to change things up a little bit at the end and she decides to tap out in morse code with her tap shoes 
something like I'm I'm not quoting precisely, but something like I'm a detective. Does anyone have a mystery for me to solve? No. Oh, yeah. I love this. And if or like if anybody can understand this, tell me if you have a mystery for me to solve. Oh, Kelly. And a young soldier stands up in the crowd and said, I know what you said, and I have a mystery for you to solve. It's called The Mystery of the Brass Bound Trunk. (gasps) Our next book. Yes. Oh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Nancy's and now having full-on conversations with her tap shoes. Tippity-tap, so. tippity-tap. Interesting. tap 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 um, I'm very glad you told me about that. I would have been very sad not to have that detail. Oh, yeah. bonus round. Speaking yes. of Carson's resume earlier, something very bizarre happens in the book that I read. She goes out to consult with Carson, and he is gardening, which we've never seen before. And specifically, he is doing his daily hoeing of the radish bed. <laughs> oh, my. Carson's a radish farmer. Interesting. So, yeah. I, I would not have suspected that of Carson. Neither would I have. Um, I don't really have any more to say on that topic other than that I was just very shocked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Carson is a radish farmer and a bomb dismantler, diffuser. The operator, what do you call it? When you... A undercar bomb raker. A breaker. <laughs> um, oh, I break bombs. That's what I do. I break it with my man hands. Do you? <laughs> I, 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 we have many. Do you have any open questions you'd like to discuss today, Karen? I don't know. I <laughs> uh, I could write an entire essay on my questions today. I I can I can um. I can close a question for us, though. Oh, maybe that's better. That maybe sounds... today we'll we'll conclude a question. Okay, answer a question. So several of our friendships uh, have let us know how chickens work. <laughs> <laughs> following our last episode, and which I really um, appreciate, by the way. Like, I learned a lot from Instagram feedback. <laughs> same. Um, it was a humbling moment. Uh, I do feel like our education failed us a little bit, but uh, no, like in all seriousness, I was like glad to know this. So apparently, Karen, you uh, uh, a chicken, a hen lays yes. an egg approximately every two days. Okay. But it's just egg. Like it's just delicious. But like a rooster has to be involved. However, that whole situation works. To, to like get a chicken inside the egg to fertilize. To fertilize. The egg. I see. Correct. I see. So like a chicken left to its own devices is going to lay eggs, regardless for my breakfast. But that is correct. Not little babe. Fascinating. Yeah. So thank thanks, Instapals. Totally agree. Thank you so much. I the more you know. <laughs> exactly. My my only question, and this requires no answer, Karen. But like, how are there so many famous people in this town? Hella famous people in River Heights. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It seems like a very small town, and yet it grows every week. <laughs> well, and like a follow up question to that is: if you're putting on a variety show in River Heights, you can do better than Nancy Drew in the cast. Like, <laughs> famous opera, get the singer. opera singer down <laughs> the block, and you know we've got at least two famous actors over in Berryville. I mean, one of them has to get carried up and down the set stairs, but like That's otherwise, okay. anyway. 
hella famous people in this town. I, I, I don't know. Nancy yeah. would pull a crowd, though. She's Her reputation precedes her. I mean, she's not going to... You never know what's going to happen with Nancy around. True that. Well, let's rate this book. And this is going to be hard because we read two different books. But I decided, still applicable to both, that this week we are rating the tapping heels out of a 12 possible cans of tuna (laughs) (laughs) very appropriate what is your rating i'm gonna give it nine cans of tuna Mm, pretty high i think it's a respectable rating i enjoyed the book um but it did lose it lost all three cans of tuna um just for again an unsatisfying ending it was too easy and also like the immediate confessions from everyone involved like gus almost put the handcuffs on his own wrist i mean (laughs) everyone was just so eager to jump in the cop car um so yeah what do you rate it what did you rate the book you read i'm still struggling with my reading there were things that i loved about this book and there were things that i hated about this book so i think i'm going to give mine seven cans of tuna and okay. the, right. reasons, Still respectable. the reasons for the cans of tuna were George and Bess were awesome. Absolutely love George and Bess in this book. Like, mm-hmm. couldn't be happier. Um, overall, some very interesting plot elements on my side. Like, I had a fortune-telling store that was like a front for people smuggling. Like, some really cool stuff. I removed the cans of tuna that I have removed because of the holy moly, this book was so racist. And, uh... Less importantly, mine kind of harkens back to some of the earlier Nancys where it was way too complicated. Like, we just had plot lines popping out of left and right. Like, listen, I'm not even going to explain this, but with the boat explosion, somehow there's this whole other thread where we learn that Harlan, the kid who can't dance, is actually the long-lost son of the guy who was the captain of that ship, which has nothing to do with the boat. Like... What? And there was just so much happening that did not need to be a thing. So uh, I'm good. I feel like seven cans of tuna is a just rating. I think that's, I think that's more fair than you needed to be. Thank, so. thank you. Seven tunas for me. Um, well, next week I'll try to read the right book. What are What are we reading next week? Mm. <laughs> Well, as accord- according at least to the young sailor in the audience, we're reading The Mystery of the Brassbound Trunk. Yes, yes. That is yeah, so. so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm really curious. So maybe she'll get to use some more Morse code, but... It wasn't John McBride, was it? I, I don't think so. Damn. I, th- I think we would have known. They, she would have I mean, recognized it, was, him. I would hope so. I mean, granted, she probably had a spotlight in her eyes. You know, she was probably nervous about the reaction she would get to her weird sounding tap dance with no music. But um, I don't think it was John McBride. Although, man, that would be that would be a good day. A wonderful gift to all Uh, of us. A wonderful gift. Just I would love to see Ned get shown up just a tiny little bit. Captain McBride back on the Mm -hmm. scene. Mm. Well, Mm. I'm going to hold out hope until we discuss it. Uh, As always, thank you so much for listening we love you all so much thank you for all of your wonderful instagram comments and the feedback and it just it means the world to us um so we hope you keep listening if you have friends to share it with please tell them and you can rate and review and subscribe if you're not hanging out with us on instagram please do we are there at it's a clue podcast huzzah and karen remember what we learned today in nancy drew and the clue of the tapping heels okay what did we learn don't blow whistles around Titian-furred cats. <laughs> Not 
to worry. I shan't. <laughs> and with that, happy, happy sleuthing. sleuthing! It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. <laughs>